This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we have... Mr. Jeremy Chen from Jeremy Chen Sales on is our guest. This guy is helping companies just like yours improve their sales strategies and performance. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But before we do, Jeremy, why don't you give everybody your backstory, man? Where'd you come from? <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. Uh, currently in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, born and raised um, and happy to be here. Um, in terms of my sales background, I started, um, I had a little, before vaping was cool, I had a little um, route that sold vape pens and accessories to gas stations, and that's really where my career started, to be honest with you. That's a mm. hustle, man. Yeah, no For sure. For sure. For sure. And now, if you look at that industry, it has blown up. I mean, people have made brands on it. You see it on Amazon, eBay. Uh at least where there's I live. stores there's entire stores that are just like brick and mortar <laughs> dedicated to it well, yeah and no i have several friends and that those just stores are hilarious stores. too have you ever i mean i don't i don't vape or whatever but dave i don't know if you've walked into them before but like when i was selling quill we used to walk into them and you just walk in there's just like a couple of hipsters sitting on a couch just blowing <laughs> fat clouds everywhere dude i can tell you right now i don't even need to leave my living room to experience the vaping <laughs> lifestyle because my favorite thing is the vape wars on YouTube. I will lose a day just watching these people do these insane tricks with these massive oh, okay. vape clouds that come out, like making circles and th- shooting balls through them. And like, it's just, it's fantastic. It's great TV in my opinion. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, great. Awesome. that's pre my time when we came out with it. Um, it wasn't really well known, and and then the government stepped in when the juices became available. So after that, it was a bunch of legislation that you had to jump through, and I just didn't have the money to do that because I was a startup. But uh, it's crazy to see how it's grown. It's interesting to me that it's actually hung on because to me, anytime I see somebody vaping down here, I automatically assume it's weed at this point since weed's right. legal for medical purposes. It's like I don't even know. I don't know what the benefit to people would be. I mean, I just feel like if you're going to vape, just go all in, man. Have a great afternoon with it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I guess, you know, with the number of vape shops we have down here, it's got to be a thing, man. Listen, yeah. every 
every strip mall that we have currently has a vape store in it. And it's, and it's crazy. And it's not anything unique or different at this point. It's just whoever you know, and you probably have a friend that works there, and they give you like a 5% discount, and that's probably why you shop there. Um, but it's just, it's crazy. So talk about some of the, um, you know, experiences you had doing that. I mean, that, like we talked about, that's a grind, I mean, man. You know, yeah, that's, that's like a, yeah. That's a route sales deal. I mean, you're you're were you call, were you cold calling gas stations to get your line in there, or were you just expanding existing relationships, or how, what did that look like? Well, I started with the gas station that I used to get gas from, and I walked in and I just pitched them straight up. I didn't know anything like, hey, about bro, sales. I buy gas here. You should buy some of my carts. Yeah, right? That seriously, was... do you even vape, bro? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That was how ignorant I really was uh. at that time. I literally just walked in. His name was Scott. I'll never forget it. And I walked in and I said, Scott, I'm selling these things and I want to put them in stores. Like, how do I do that? And he really See? just schooled me on it. See, hmm. I would have gone in with shock and awe, man. I'd have been like, what the crap are you doing, man? You got all these cigarettes <laughs> that require people to light them on fire. You have a gas station here for crying out loud. This vape pen solves everybody's problems. Your gas station doesn't blow up. Your customers get their yeah. fix. And if they're really good, they can go on YouTube people, and be in People vape can wars. smoke while they're pumping gas. Well, they do really? in West Virginia. Yeah, they do in West Virginia all the yeah. time. In fact, if you're not smoking, you're not pumping gas. Oh, Seriously? God. <laughs> it's amazing what you see that see here, man. Hey, man, listen, in the 80s, they used to let you do that. And then, of course, legislation stepped in and stopped that. But that was Thanks really a my... lot, Bin Laden. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was my really first stop, right? Like, it was just, he was like, okay, well, how, how much do you sell them for? I'm like, man, I don't, I don't really know yet. These just came in a brown box from China, and I'm just trying to sell them. <laughs> wow. Okay. And so, he really helped me put together my first little, like, counter display of what you need to have, and we'll just get the the cashier to, you know, try to upsell it with a car wash or whatever. So, that's how I really hmm. started going route to route, really. Okay, so how did that pitch develop? Because obviously it had to. Not everybody was Scott and was going to help you out. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, as you started kind of getting... It obviously it had to turn into something or there wouldn't be Jeremy Chen sales, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so it's funny enough. Um, again, I, I have no sales training, no sales experience. This is really my first go at it. I went to a Husky down the street that was a competitor, and I didn't know them. And I literally walked in, and I'll never forget it. And I said, I have these new electronic cigarettes. That's how I was positioning them at the time. And I was telling them, I was like, your competition down the road is selling them, and they're selling them with car washes like hotcakes. Meanwhile, I just set up the display like a week ago. Yep. And you should be selling these because there's margin in them, and that's what gas stations really look for, right? Yeah, because people don't realize, man, when the price of gas goes up, it's not even – a large it's, it's, portion it's not, it's of not the like gas they're still getting it taxes. for yeah it's not like they're still getting it for you know 50 cents and and they're charging you four gallon or four dollars a gallon like right but i mean even when you look at the price that's at the pump a good percentage of that is is taxes that are done it's not the raw cost of the fuel so obviously the raw cost of the fuel fluctuates but people see oh you're charging 450 a gallon for gas the gas station ain't making that money no nope. they're, they're making very minimal money on, on the gas itself. That's why standalone convenience stores still exist in, in parts of the country because they make way more margin over overcharging you for the mini can of Pringles than they do selling mm. you a full tank of gas. 
Well, yeah. and it's crazy because Scott used to tell me that he made 0.1% on a liter. Yeah, it doesn't wow. surprise me. So there was no money to be had. So anytime there was a new product, like it used to be Apple charging cords and stuff like that. Um, anytime there was a new product, he'd bring it into the store. Guilty is charged. I've got so We're many gas chargers station chargers. Really? Yep. That's only yeah, like a road my... trip thing for me, man. Like we would have to buy them if they busted on the road. But other than that. Or when my wife removes it or one of my kids remove True. mine from That's the car. That's fair. I I also, yeah. now, I, now I'm smart enough that I have a stash and a backup stash. So they got to go through three cords for me to have to stop at a gas <laughs> station anymore. But those sta that stash <laughs> and the backup are both gas station chargers that I had to buy. Well, and not only that, you got to remember, like, if you got dogs, cats, whatever, and they get at that cord, it's a wrap, right? And those cords are expensive. Like, they're, what, 80, mm -hmm. 100 bucks from Apple? So, he was making a killing at that time. Well, what you brought up there when you went into the Husky down the street is something that I used to use um, every day in every business. I, so, before um, before insurance, I was selling office supplies B2B. So mm -hmm. similar, I would walk into a business cold and, you know, try to sell them office supplies. And one of the things that I did is I would always reference somebody else that I had just sold to, or that was a customer in the area, even if it wasn't somebody that I personally sold to, if I knew that they had an account or ordering stuff from, you know, from our company, when I walked into that next business, I was going to say, Hey, I was just next door with, with Jeremy, you know, he, he orders his paper from us, whatever. And it, it, it establishes that immediate credibility and it makes them feel like they are missing out. We call it Jones effect, like keeping up with the Joneses, um, makes them feel like they're missing out on, on something that, uh, you know, that somebody else is doing and having success. I think that's with. a lost art in what we're doing right now, man. I mean, that's something that I've always kind of done too, you know, yep. not necessarily with the guy next door or whatever, but if, if I go Same in industry. and I'm dealing with... Yeah, big service contractor. Right. Of, of course, I'm going to say, well, we represent, you know, this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my argument is always the reason they're able to hire and retain top talent is because we've reduced their total cost of risk to the point they can offer higher wages, offer better benefits, and offer better pricing to their clients as a result. Wouldn't you want to be yep. able to compete with them? Because currently you can't. Yep. Absolutely. I, it depends so on what your piece of that. It depends on what your product or service is, but it can be used generally or specifically. Dude, like you the can way use it with your kids, man. Caroline, dude, Ethan's out. You'd Ethan's be amazed. out in the front yard I mean, picking up you sticks. Sat, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Why are you? I mean, I can't believe you're not out there doing that with him, man. I'm gonna have you'd to be take amazed how much of the stuff you do and on, on you know in your daily life and don't even you know pick up on it or, or or realize it. But I mean, you're just using all these impulse factors that I learned in my you know first real not first real sales job, but one of my first, I guess. Um, I, I've had Kyle, sales Kyle sold Cutco knives door to door for a while. Did, wow. did that. Sold wow. hurricane-proof windows and doors. I, you know what? It, Those are the hardest, man. Windows and doors and like knives and Kirby bro, vacuum cleaners and rainbow vacuum cleaners. Yeah, the Kirby's, cleaners. Were, the Kirby's were like, th those were a thing too when I was just starting out. But I mean, the windows and doors... We would go. This was so sketchy, man. We would roll up into these <laughs> sketchy neighborhoods and in in, uh, in, in in like Seminole Heights and in in Temple Terrace at like. Lucky you didn't get shot. <laughs> no, a hundred hundred percent. Seven thirty at night, go knocking on somebody's door, you know, and I'd pitch them. I had this like script that I memorized. It was probably like I don't know the length of a legal pad. Oh my Basically, gosh. I was just trying to set up a time for one of our guys to come out and give them an estimate on windows and doors. And it was like wow. a fat commission. I mean, like those jobs were like 30, 40 K, 
So oh, wow. we made all you day. Know, we would make ten percent of that or something, and um, you know, so so it was decent. Was Y but, Green uh, a thing back then? Was Y Green a thing where they could roll it into their property taxes and not have to pay? It would just become. I'm not part sure. Of their, we never. I never got into that aspect payment. of it. We never talked about. Well, that's payment, what they do nothing. now, man. They run around it because it, depending on where you're at, you know, in town. Dude, the company's still alive. They, I just saw a sign down the street at the end of my street that that the company that I was doing that work for is doing a job there. Wow. Yeah. So depending on where you live, they have the ability now to take like solar or windows and doors or AC, any of that stuff, and they can roll it into your property uh, taxes so that you're paying it through your mortgage. Now, the the bad part is it amortizes out over 30 years so <laughs> that 40,000 job Ooh. ends up being $80,000 if you don't pay it off early. But that's how they're selling it to people who don't know the difference or or don't understand how to go in and dig into the math. And, you know, I we have a guy that I tried to hire. Remember the guy that came to my house to sell me windows yeah, and doors yeah, that yeah, night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interrupted my this is how good this guy was, Jeremy. Number one, I consider myself to be a reasonably good producer. Uh-huh. Okay. I've been in the sales game for almost 30 years in one capacity or another. So I got a little game when I need to have it. I'm very critical of other salespeople. Very critical. Like, it, like anybody who who is who feels they're good at something, like especially with salespeople, I appreciate and I want the best sales experience. I want somebody who's the master of their craft selling to me, right? And so, this guy comes out and it. I, I talk to him and I'm like, I'm in the middle of my dinner. You have two minutes at the wow. most. Wow. And he he comes out and I don't even remember what he said to me, but guns blazing. He was absolutely you could tell he had a script that he had worked down. He was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. But it was we're looking for one house we can use as a showcase home in this neighborhood that we can provide with a deep discount on windows and doors. And wow. I'm like, uh, and he goes, we love yours because it's got. And I'm like, you said that to the guy next door and this guy, uh, and, you know, for and sure. whatever else. But um it but was it's funny. Work I'm like, with look, one person on the street. Yeah, and, I, and I told him, I'm like, so, so like 15, 10, 15 minutes later, you know, I, I let him go and we started mm-hmm. talking. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, you're actually a really, you have, you have a good sales presentation. You have skills. Why are you hawking windows and doors? You could make so much more money with so much less effort doing other things. Let me talk to you about how you can make a quarter million dollars a year instead of a hundred thousand. Right. And so he actually went and had lunch with me and we talked. And then one thing led to another. I think that he was in some sort of a relationship situation that mm. went south and he ended up moving away. But um, I was ready to bring that dude on. And I was I would have offered him a job on the spot because I knew that I could teach that guy my system and he would and it yeah. would work. Period. Wow. Like some people, you just know that, right? You just, and he fit the profile too. Ex baseball player was drafted to play. You know, anybody who's an ex athlete, you know, not that I'm discriminating against people who aren't, but people who played team sports, a know how to operate in a team, which a lot of people don't. Yeah. B they're they're mostly naturally competitive and have an mm-hmm. edge to them, which I want. And if I can, right. and the other thing is. If they were any good, and you have to be good to get to that level, they're disciplined. They're going to be practicing. They're going to be working out. They're going to be honing in their craft every single day. And I mean, I would say Kyle and I fit that bill, man. Both played competitive sports, team sports. Both have an edge. Both very competitive. Both very habitual. Kyle's little habits are different than mine. But I mean, we have our set things that we do every single day. And I mean, I think if you go to... (laughs) <laughs> you just do different stuff, man. You're you're way more anal than I am. Way more. Way more. 
You yeah, you, so. you fly by the seat of your pants, and that drives me freaking crazy. Yeah, well, wow. I just I my mean, wife I can't, too probably. <laughs> what's that? I said my wife too. I'm sure, but it's worked out pretty good for 48 years. So I'm not stopping <laughs> now. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I, I'm same way, man. I mean, different different strokes, but we get it done. I'm in yep. between the both of you. I fly by the seat of my pants, but I also need some structure to my day. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think I'm probably more along those lines. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that I'm like a complete wildcat, man. I mean, no. I've got parameters that I operate in. But Jeremy, I'm one of these people that I see an opportunity, I seize it. Period. Good, bad, or otherwise, because you're never going to make money if you stop and take time to think through something and overanalyze it three thousand times. That's true. So, you know what? And I and I look at it this way: if an opportunity presents itself, I've got good enough instincts after being in the business world as long as I have that I have a pretty good idea that it's going to make money or how it can make money. So if it's an investment opportunity or something that I need to do to increase the value of the business here or the efficiency. I'm likely to pull the trigger really, really quick because I want to get in before anybody else is in so that I can be, you know, have a differentiator in the marketplace. But at the same time, I'll cut bait just as quick. If I if, if I make a bad decision, I'm not going to typically let that bad decision fester. Where I, where I let it fester is with team members. I, I've let team members go too long. But as far as making decisions to improve a business or improve a process, I am fly by the seat of my pants. You could do a demo with me this morning and I'll have your product installed this afternoon. If it makes sense, it makes if sense. If it makes sense. Yeah. I'm just not going to yeah. waste any time because right. to me, I go back to the old Chinese proverb, man, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time's today. Right now. Yep. Right? Yep. So 100%. I'd rather just go ahead and get the ball moving. Absolutely. Yep. And, and that's a challenge that a lot of people face in the field is we let opportunities go too long they're not a fit for us for whatever reason and you know what you're miserable in that position go find something else right so so you're doing the vape thing man what happened after that like well it started what brought that to an end did you sell it did you just say you know what i'm tired of dealing with the vape stuff the gas station (laughs) life isn't for me anymore i mean the, I'm the, always interested by people who've done things that I haven't done before because I, I respect that, man. I really do. A lot of people might be like, especially things going, that are a grind. This guy's going you know? gas station to gas yeah. station, hawking vape pens. What kind of lifestyle is that? Well, you know what? Don't knock it until you've tried it. I'm pretty sure my boy was making some coin. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you have to put some effort in, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. get rewarded for it. But I, I'm just interested in what that morphed into to get you to where you're at today with your, your sales uh, consulting. Program. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, so there was. A point in time where I started to notice more of these shops coming and they had more capital than I did. They had more connections. You know, the story goes on. And I could see that I was getting squeezed out and I would need more money to have better inventory and stuff like that and better pricing, all this stuff. And so I went to a new startup that had opened a location maybe... 10 minutes from my house by drive and I went to the owner and I said look I'm getting out of the business the margins just aren't there from when I started this is about a year later um, just buy my inventory so I can move on and he did on the spot he said name your price and I'll, I'll buy any inventory that I can right now so I gave him a contact list of who I was dealing with and my inventory and I walked away that day had a check dropped it in the bank and said, what am I going to do next? Right. And so that's how that kind of came to an end. But funny enough, to your point earlier, um, flying by the seat of your pants, I get a call two days later, maybe, 
mm-hmm. while I'm trying to figure out what my next move is going to be. And it's from a friend of mine who um, has a connection to a restaurant equipment supplier. And he's asking if I want to go sell that because I've already proven I can just walk into accounts and try to, you know, get get them to do business with me, right? And the the story goes, I went for an interview and the guy who owned the company didn't really see it. He could tell I was junior and was looking for a little bit more experience under the wings. And I followed up with him 51 times. He still tells that story to this day, 51 times. Is that once a week or is that like 51 times? I don't even know. Once a week for a year or or 51 times in the first week? I have no idea. I can't even remember, but I hounded him. Like I knocked on his door, I called him, texted him, all of this stuff. And finally he was like, this kid is so persistent. Like if he doesn't get the job, then he might just burn my I'm business I'm surprised down. he didn't file like a restraining order. <laughs> he should have in <laughs> retrospect. Um, but that was my next gig was selling POS equipment to the restaurant industry. And that is okay. a grind as well. So Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah that, I, I mean, mean, payroll, credit card processing, yeah, that, like, all that all fits into the stuff. same bucket. That all fits in the, the same bucket. The to office me. supply stuff that I did. It's, I mean, we would actually run at, <laughs> I remember a couple times out in the field, we, like I would walk into a business and there was a merchant processing person in there pitching the business, like right at, I, right as I had walked in and it was, I mean, it, uh, a, a couple of the times I've just like, like, okay, obviously I'm just going to, I'm not going to sit here and wait my turn. I'm going to come back another time. But one of the times it was, it was a client of mine and I was like following up and it was just, it was interesting to watch the whole exchange, um, you know, happen. And, and, and it was because the dude kind of smirked when I walked in, he's just like, man, I'm just getting absolutely slammed right now with you guys. <laughs> but so what, um, I mean, so you're doing the POS systems and then I, I feel like, by the way, I feel like this is the, the saga of Joe Dirt, like, and I'm Dennis Miller and we're just like, <laughs> that's, that's how, that's how I feel like the flow of this is going right now. Um, but that's so, what you want to so, be doing when Jesus comes. Oh man. <laughs> One of my favorite movies, but, um, don't lose me in the desert. Yeah. So, so, so then, um, with, you know, what, what was the next the step after stick. that? Like, how did we get to the point where, where, you know, you were doing the consulting? There's so many questions that, I mean, I can yeah. talk about this stuff for days, but, um, I want to figure out that part first. Yeah. So I was working there for a bit. Um, the guy that owned the company had really done a great job at selling his stuff to basically every, um, restaurants and corner store that you could imagine and so mm-hmm. for me to really have an opportunity to grow and make some real money I had to go out to, out of town and I didn't have enough money to even buy a car that was worth taking on the highway without it falling <laughs> apart at that time mm-hmm. so I quit I left there and then I ended up at a um, like a cell phone company selling cell phones and, um, you know, like AT&T, Verizon, that kind of, like not the mom and pop stuff. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing was when I, when I got told about the opportunity, it was they were relaunching in my city. They were looking for salespeople and I should go apply. And the person who's telling me about the opportunity said, I just came back from a charity event with the boss that is in charge of this. Why don't you call him? What he didn't tell me was the guy's name was Darren Entwistle. And Darren Entwistle is 
the CEO of this $2 billion company. Hmm. All he said to me was, just go call him. I said, okay. So if you went to the TELUS website, you could find his office number and call him. Called up. And I didn't know I was doing this. Again, I'm not trained or anything at this point. I'm just calling as if I know the guy. Hi, can I talk to Darren? His secretary puts me right through to his cell phone. He is boarding the company jet. <laughs> and he basically goes, hello, who is this and what do you want? And I'm like, hi, my name's Jeremy and uh, I am looking for a job and I live in this place that you probably never heard of. It's called Winnipeg. And he goes, I don't <laughs> handle this and I don't know why you got put through. I'll get somebody to call you and hangs up on me. And I was like, what do I do now? Right. 20 minutes later, I get a call from a lady who says, are you Jeremy? Did you just call Darren Entwistle? And I'm like, who's asking? <laughs> Am I in trouble? She goes, yeah, who no, is no. this? What do you want? And why did they put you through is exactly what I would have <laughs> said to him. Come on, Entwistle. We can both play this game. That would have been right? so incredible. <laughs> so I was like nervous. I'm shaking in my boots. And she goes, well, funny enough, we do have a position. I'll introduce you to the sales manager. She makes the introduction, I show up to the meeting, and without even seeing my resume or CV, she hires me on the spot. And that was the start of my telephony career. Did that for a year, um, excelled at it, got into President's Club and all this other stuff. Um, and then they decided that they were moving to Toronto. That's where they wanted to focus on. And I wasn't in the position to move to Toronto. I was like, what am I going to do now? And then I started a company called AnswerPhone that did virtual answering services for small, medium businesses because I was already selling like office-grade phone solutions to them. Um, and one of my customers from Telus said to me, if you can come up with an answering solution that you know can take messages when we're out in the field, we'll buy it. And that was my first customer at AnswerPhone. Hmm. Then I grew it to over a thousand customers, sold the company um, late last year, and then started my consulting. There so, we go. It. Now so we're getting the money shot. I was going to say, man, we're creeping up on, on me yeah. and Keating here in terms of, of uh, yeah. sales <laughs> Yeah. So that's uh, how yeah, that happened. There, there are very few jobs Kyle hasn't had, actually. Um, I'm probably not quite as bad. I've done a lot of stuff, but most of it I wasn't smart enough to get paid for. So, there you go. Same, same <laughs> a lot for of me. Wild, yeah, a lot of wildlife experience and things that I've done in places that I've been, but it wasn't necessarily a profitable endeavor for me. In fact, quite the opposite. So, so how are you helping other people, man? I mean, it's obvious at this point you grew it. I mean, any business, I don't care what you're selling, what you're building. If you can have a thousand clients in your book of business, you're going to make strong money. That's that's a solid deal. So how did you get there? Like, did you come up with a system? Do you have a process? I mean... Yeah, so my whole thing is, um, after I left the POS company, I really... Me, but just stop for a second. I love it when people say POS company, because it's like they're <laughs> what a, talking what a so horribly. Ab what a ridiculous abbreviation. Like, they yeah, couldn't come up with anything every better. Every time they say it, I laugh a little bit like I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. I left that POS company. Like, you have to have the right inflection in your voice to pull it off, man. Uh, and listen, and they used to grill us about it every single time, and to your point, I still laugh about it. But uh, I left that company and um, I decided I didn't want to do in-person visits anymore. I wanted to do all my selling over the phone. So that's why the cell hmm. phone company was such a good fit for me because I can get the deals done and then I'm on to the next one, right? You have and a good phone voice, man. You do you have a so? good 
I appreciate I you, that. I think you have a good phone voice, and I don't. I don't think you sound very threatening to somebody. You sound right. very mild mannered. I, I can see you getting through a lot easier than me. Like, come on in, whistle. What's the deal? You know, I <laughs> yeah. mean, I'm, I'm not gonna. <laughs> right. I'm not gonna be nice to him. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call in and, and close end whistle while before he ever gets through the threshold of that airplane door. Well, but I, I mean, I, I also lose a lot of deals because of that too, right? Because yeah. I'm that high strung. But but to your point, man. I mean, just listening to you talk and the cadence in which you speak, I can see why you would be successful getting through to people on the phone because that's important. Well, I appreciate that. And and people ask me what my secret is, and it's just I pretend like I know you, whether it's Dave or Kyle, right? Hey guys, easiest, easiest nice thing to, do. to see you. See ya, you know, like we're sitting down for some wings and beer, right? Like it's that straightforward. But to answer your question about process, what I really developed at the phone system company was this. I want to be able to call somebody who I don't know, give them a pitch that is so enticing that they just have to go, you know what, I already have whatever he's buying, but it's just so intriguing. Stop me in my tracks, let me listen to this, and decide if I'm going to buy it. So it's not a one-call close, but it's enough to get me in the door to book a second appointment. And it can be on Teams, Zoom, Google Meets, like whatever, right? So long Mm -hmm. as I don't have to drive to the physical location, that was my whole process, right? Gotcha. And I would touch somebody seven times over the phone before I would say, this isn't a good contact and I'm moving on. And I really built it from there, refined all my scripting and everything. To hmm. this day, I will call somebody on the phone and say, look, Kyle, this is a sales call and I'm calling to solicit you something. You can hang up or give me 30 seconds. And people, 80% of the time will give me the 30 seconds to explain mm-hmm. Why I'm calling, and that's you know what I heard a guy. Script. I heard a guy last week. Um, Ryan Stillwell is a friend of mine, and he's in our mastermind group. And we were going back and forth about um, he's he's working on calling to set appointments and stuff. And so he'll send me call recordings to listen to what he's saying to business owners to get them on the phone. And it, it blew me away. Number one, he was pretty good about getting through. Um, like getting to the right person, like getting to the person, getting past the gatekeeper just mm-hmm. by asking and saying, "Hey, it's half I, the battle, know, man." Yeah, and I mean, I'm not gonna look, Ryan. You're probably listening to this. I'm not gonna say that Ryan was overly slick about how he did it. He was basically just very matter of fact. Like, here's what I'm calling for. Can I talk to this person? And then when he got to the right person, what he said was, "Would you hate me if I told you I was calling to talk to you about your insurance?" <laughs> Like that was his icebreaker, and like everybody just sort of chuckled. They're like, "Yeah, exactly." No, man, I get so many calls at this point, I'm immune to it or whatever else. But that person could have gone a completely different direction if he didn't have a way that caught them off guard, right? Because I don't think people real, I don't think people under are expecting for you to be honest about what you're calling about. Like everybody tries to dance around it. So for you to say, "Hey, look, I'm calling to solicit you for something. You can either let me have thirty seconds or not." You just set the ground rules, right? Yep. I, th- I'm I think the same if you're way. up front with people, it's... it's... I th- yeah, I think that's why when we do our appointment setting script things on the phone, you know, when we just say, hey, look, we know your workers' comp renewal is coming up on such and such date. You know, we'd like to be considered this year. We're going to have somebody available next Tuesday or Wednesday. Which one's better? You know, they already know. We're not going to take no for an answer, mm-hmm. you know, but we also want them to understand exactly why we're calling. And, you know, we'll most of the time say, hey, look, you know, I know you weren't expecting my call, so we're, we're going to be real brief. Here's why I'm calling. We know your workers' comp renewal is coming up. But we actually get appointments that way. Wait, I think you get way more appointments that way than you do just trying to be slick. Well, listen, and to your point, somebody once told me sales and appointment setting is a game of hot potato. And the more you talk, the longer your hands are going to burn. 
So I don't care what you say, just make mm-hmm. it so clear to the point that you can toss that potato back in their lap. And that's, that's how a, I that's came up. That's a good analogy. It. I've never heard yeah. it before, but it's just like Whoa. what Chris Beal said. So we had a we had a guy, Chris Beal from Connect and Cell, who is a I know him. Yeah. You know Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Seven seconds is what Chris said when he was on. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you got seven seconds to get get through to somebody. And if you don't well, and it's so much harder to do that on the phone versus in person. I mean, in person, they're not going to, most of the time at least, not just going to walk away from you like they can hang up on the phone. And it's much easier to icebreak in person. I think, um, you know, I think you've got to be straight and to the point like we were just talking about on the phone and, and be upfront and honest with people. And if you can say something, um, you know, to make them smile through the phone or, or laugh a little bit, then that's then that's huge too. But definitely more difficult, in my opinion, on the phone than in person. Oh, yeah. And you you know what? It's funny because now I'm so used to being on the phone that when I show up in person, I'm like, oh, how do I do this again? Like, it's That's just funny. a different language for me, right? So me, ex- It would be awesome if you had your cell phone and you just took it out and pretended like you were talking on your phone, <laughs> even though you were talking to the person in front of you just so you were comfortable doing it. Uh, but the thing was, like, the consulting really took off in COVID because we couldn't get yeah, in front yeah, of anybody, right. right? And so everybody's like well, how do we use this phone thing? And uh, like, what do we do? And you know what I mean? So it was a complete mindset and it really, you know, haphazardly or whatever, um, helped us grow. So what, um, what do you see as the biggest mistake from producers or salespeople when they, you know, reach out to you for, for help? Like what are they doing or not doing that, that is, is hindering them? (laughs) To be honest with you, most time it's their mindset. I agree 100%. Most time they, they're coming from a place of like, man, I've been beaten up on the road. I haven't made a sale in a month. I'm tired of eating sardines. <laughs> um, and they're just in such a rut that, you know, they can't see the grass is greener, right? And if you just move a little bit differently, it can be so much better, right? And so I tell people all the time, listen, if you had $20 million, would you really care if this guy told you no? Probably not, mm-hmm. right? And they, well, they can't visualize that when you're hungry. So, Yeah, no, I mean, I tell them all the time, look, this guy, this guy or this lady is already not your client and you're worried about upsetting them. I mean, your only chance of getting them right. to give you an opportunity is to ask for the opportunity. Pick up right. the phone and freaking call them. You know, go like, in and cold call them. Walk in the lobby what? like you own the business in, yeah. you know, and have a conversation. You have to get it's, that through your head because if you if you don't physically psych yourself up, like if you don't take the time to get yourself prepared for that, and I think, <laughs> truthfully, I think that's a big deal that a lot of people don't don't do is they don't mentally prepare themselves. Yes, for the it process. Just listening to Thunderstruck sitting there and the yeah, in the I mean, break I do this. I, listen, I yeah, I do the same thing every time. If I'm like, if I'm in my office and I know I've got a new business appointment that I have to go to, which obviously the way I'm dressed today, I don't. <laughs> but you know, if if I know that I have that every single time, I'm going to go to YouTube and pull up that vignette from Glenn Gary Glenn Ross and watch Alec Baldwin just just destroy everybody. Coffee in for the closers. room. Yeah. Leads are weak. You're weak. You're you know, but but I mean that that's the whole thing, man. I I like to that that gets me in the mindset, and then I'll go out and I'll get in my truck or my it used to be my car, but my truck now, and I'll crank up Metallica and I'll listen to Enter Sandman. I'll listen to Thunderstruck, and I'm ready to freaking kill somebody. Mm. I'm ready to club a baby seal by the time I get to the, <laughs> you know, by the time I get to the meeting. I like I'm that amped up and ready to go. 
but I didn't used to do that. I didn't used to do things to prepare myself. And as I thought about it, you know, when I played baseball, yeah, there was warm a warm-up up routine. Yeah. There was a stretching routine. Mm-hmm. Your sales game is no different than than being in athletics. It really isn't. And what you do to to get yourself prepared and warmed up, there's a long-term play, right? You have to have product knowledge. You have to do the research on the prospect to understand. All of that is done in preparation, and that's, that's you preparing your skill set. But you also have to prepare your mind to go in there, and that's going to be different things to different people. Whatever it is, figure it out, right? Like I, I always so, go back to to like when the back in the you know nineties when Kyle was just a, a baby and Michael <laughs> Jordan was still playing for the Bulls right and like everybody knew that dun, 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 dun. Well, every time when that song came on people knew oh crap here comes Jordan and Pippen with yep. a side of Horace Grant you know you I go. mean but you would, you knew what that yeah you knew what that meant right you knew. That that like these guys are getting amped up. They're getting ready, and the people were getting amped up to watch them. It was a psychological experience associated mm-hmm. to that song for everybody involved. And to this day, if you play that song, and somebody <laughs> grew up at that time frame, we're going to know exactly you get, what you it get was. Chills. You get chills, and yeah, you do because you're you're going to watch. You know, you're going to watch somebody perform at their peak. And I think that the same thing holds true. If you're a salesperson and you don't have a process for prepping yourself before you go in, you're selling yourself short. If you're not hitting your numbers of getting appointments booked, if your cold calls suck when you go in, it's probably not because of how you're acting when you go in there. It's it, it may be, but it's more about how you didn't prepare yourself to be ready to go in there mentally. Yeah, we right. all have the skill and, set. The skill set never leaves. Yeah, and that's, that's and that's true. just it. I think it's the mindset, and um, you know, people have the fear of, of being rejected. Um, my dogs are about to go crazy. They have the fear about being rejected, but, um, you know, another parallel with the sports is like, I I didn't ever go into any game, like worried that we were going to lose or anything like that. Like I went in, you know, making sure that I was prepared and ready to go and had a good week of practice. And, and then once you're out on the, on the floor or the field or whatever it is, you're in there and you're good. And it, and it should be the same, you know, with sales. And I think you kind of need to be able to get in that mindset. So I totally agree with what you said, Jeremy. It's, it's the biggest mistake that I would see from um, producers on my team was just not believing in themselves that they were going to go in and close the deal. Well, imagine if you were a UFC fighter and you're standing across the octagon from whoever you're fighting and you're thinking to yourself, it's going to be a rough one. Probably going to lose. Yeah, probably <laughs> yeah. going to lose this one. Not even sure why I'm here right now. I mean, it's ludicrous to even think of something like that. But well, if you're a true. salesperson and you're preparing to, and you're getting ready to walk into a meeting and you've done nothing to prepare for it and you've not gotten yourself psyched up mentally, it's every bit as ludicrous as a mixed martial artist standing across from another person in the octagon saying, eh. It's going to be a little be rough. A tough one. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> little ring rust. Start stretching like 30 seconds before they tell you to get it on. You know, I mean, uh, it, it sounds crazy, but that's how people operate. And then they want to complain about their results. Well, it's true. And, and a lot of people, when I ask them, they come to me and they say, you know, how do you cold call? Well, how did you learn to walk? You started crawling, right? Yep. Um, I learned by just doing it. Nothing I uh, came yep. up with came from some textbook. Right. Yep. And a lot There's of people no magic are just, pill. It's just all doing. Yeah. Listen, and if I could come up with a magic pill, I think all three of us would be very, very, very rich right now. Yeah. But, I mean, I'd start selling it at gas stations. Listen, <laughs> and, and I probably have some of those same contacts. So it'd probably yeah. be a great Let's starting do it, man. point. 
<laughs> it, would even, it would be even better if we could turn it into vape cartridges. Yeah, listen, and there's people just smoke, right. just smoke the sales skill. Take a, yeah, take a hit before you're ready to go in. <laughs> but I mean, no, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think there's things you can do to sharpen your skill set. You can listen to podcasts. You can read books. You can find out. I, I share everything, you know, about what works, for, and Kyle does too, about the things that work for us. And some people use that. Some people don't use it. You know, don't necessarily try and copy everybody because what works for me may not work for you. No, you got to grab you different know, but things. Grab different things and then make them your own and figure out what your own style is going to be. Mm -hmm. But the only way to do it is to do it, man. Like, how do you learn to dive off a diving board? Well, let's see. You probably have to start by jumping off a diving board. You know, you can't. You can't. I don't. I, I can see some like advanced dive training center with like a cable rig, like in Mission Impossible, <laughs> where you're diving and it's catching you right before you hit the ground. No, you go in, jump off the side of the pool. Your parents catch you. Then you learn to swim back. Then they catch you off the low dive. Then you get comfortable doing that, and then you go to the high dive. I mean, you progress through things just like you do in your in your sales career. And I think that's it, man. You just have to do it. And again, that's, that's mental. That's exactly it. And a lot of people out there are afraid to fail. And I'm like, what What do you really have to lose when you fail? Nothing. You come no. away with a new experience, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, so many people will sit there and, you know, they'll tell me like, I made eight calls today. And I'm like, great. What did you learn? Well, nothing. I w went straight to voicemail. It's like, well, I guess you got to pick up the phone and get back to work then, don't you? Right? So, right. Uh, that, that would be my message to people is like, listen, don't. Don't be afraid to fail, right? Like, just just do it. Jump off the diving board, go out and meet some new people. You'll never know what will happen. So, I think that's fair. I, I hate when people ask me this question because I can never think of it on the spot. And I've just got such a deep memory bank of situations. But do you have, like, a favorite sales story or, um, you know, deal that, that you got done or something like that? You've got a bunch of sales experience both in person and over the phone. So... Got to be um, something in there. That is a tough question for me to answer. Yeah. One of them comes to mind. It was an HVAC company when I was at the cell phone store. And um, it would have been, or sorry, it was my biggest deal at the time um, of being there. And the guy said to me, I love everything in this proposal. I only have one problem. And I said, that's fine. What's your problem? And he goes, I don't buy anything from people that I haven't seen in person, right? So, in other words, hmm. he wanted to wanted me to come down there and meet him. And I said, that's fine. I have a rule too. And he goes, what's your rule? And I said, I don't come back twice. And so, he went silent for what seemed like 10 minutes on the phone. And he says, okay, send me the contract. I'll sign it and, and send it back to you. And he did while I was still on the phone with him. Nice. And... I, I love that story simply because a lot of people would have taken it as, oh, no, now i got to break my process, go see him, which, you know, I would have happily have done. But because I was in the moment, I was fired up. I wanted to win the deal. The deal was mine. There's no reason. You accidentally to get this did what you were supposed to, right? You accidentally mm -hmm. stuck to your process. Stuck to my process, planted my feet. I did not wimp and I got the deal, right? And to this day, I still remember, and it's funny enough, because he could walk past me in the street, and I wouldn't know it was him. I've never met him to this day. But he still, if I call him on the phone, he'll know exactly who I am. So hmm. um, that would I think be that's a good point, favorite. though, man. I think that there's a lot of people, I mean, look, we fight this in our industry 
every single day because I can tell people till I'm blue in the face when you go and talk to a new prospect talk about everything but the insurance the insurance is the last piece of it I mean they already assume you know what you're doing there talk about your value adds talk about what you can do on a safety training and a risk management side and all of this other stuff and you know if they stick to that even through the, the point where it's uncomfortable because there's always part of the issue too is and, and you bring this up it's our job to educate our clients and prospects. We have to educate them. That's how you step. I mean, that's how I sell is I educate them about the benefits of doing business right. with us specifically. And I can tie that back to financial modeling and everything else that I need to. But too many times we're salespeople and we're not educators. I was watching, um, you don't know this, Jeremy, but I have a little, little bit of a, a reality show that I put out for on YouTube for insurance producers that are working to get access to my ecosystem online oh wow and they they compete for it and it's a it's a sizable prize it's worth about 25 grand and so i i give one a winner and so we put it out every week and i was as i was watching the episode that we dropped this week i watched one of the coaching calls and one of the things that we focus on is total cost of risk okay we look at all of the things that go into a company's risk management function not just what they're paying in insurance premiums because there's a lot of other stuff that goes in there and so it's all that's always a much bigger number, but if you can control everything outside of the insurance premiums and you can make the risk profile of the account healthier, then the insurance premiums automatically drop because it's a much better risk for an underwriter to take. And I watched one of the contestants make the, talking with the coach saying, "Well, how many people even know what what total cost of risk is?" And she's like, "Cuz I'm thinking if, if they don't even know what it is, they don't care." And I'm thinking you completely missed the boat completely. You completely missed the boat because you missed your opportunity to educate all of those people on what it is and explain to them the difference and explain to them how what people have done to purchase insurance for their business in the past is bad compared to what you can do. If you follow this process in in my head, when you're telling that story, I go exactly. And you're like, you know, you totally missed the boat, but I I, I was, (laughs) I was expecting the story to go, you know, she started explaining total cost of risk. and then I was actually waiting for that part too. Yeah. No, completely yeah. gave up. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know that. And I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. Like you've completely missed every podcast we've ever put out, the book that I wrote, the blogs that I write, everything else. Like this is right. This is textbook 101, how we sell. And the reason we talk about total cost of risk is because we know people don't know what it is, is middle market business owners. I'm not going to go into- yeah, a national restaurant chain and talk to them about total cost of risk. They've got a staff of risk managers and safety engineers in the field and everything else. They know exactly what it is, but middle market companies don't. Mm. And that's why we use it is because we can educate them. And as long as we do a good job of educating and they understand what we're teaching and we develop enough trust for them to take the next step with us, we're going to win almost every single time because our approach is so different than what our peers are. And mm-hmm. I tell people when we when I'm training other salespeople, you just have to have trust, right? I've got all the credentials that say I know what I'm doing on paper. I also have the bank account that says I know what I'm doing, right? Right. So 
when I tell you how I did it in the tools that I'm using, when you tell me you don't think it works, you have no <laughs> validity in your argument with me because everything points to the fact that I do, including the fact that I go in and I still continue to win at the same rate today. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that to be arrogant, but my goodness, you know, when you come to somebody and ask them for what works for them or ask them for their help and you say, yeah, I don't know that that's going to work. Or I think that's wrong. Why did you even bother to ask? You know, yeah. don't don't waste my time or yours. Well, mm-hmm. and that's it comes back to our conversation about mindset, right? You're you're asking the questions from a position of um I just want to be uh told that I was right the entire time as opposed to actually I'm doing something wrong and I think I can do better by learning from this guy. And totally. it's so crazy how many people have that mindset and don't know it. Well, it's like, I mean, I was, my, my wife and my sister-in-law, like the, my sister-in-law will reach out and ask my wife for advice on something and then immediately do the complete opposite. And it's like, why, why did you even call me? And it's exactly what you just said. They wanted to hear what was in their head already and they were going to do whatever they were going to do already, but they wanted somebody to validate it and, and, and that's it. I, I do want to go back to one of the things you said that, um, from your story that was, important um that i think we just kind of glossed over but it was something that i talked about with the people on my team every day and that was when you said you know you were like i have a rule too you know i don't come back twice and then you were completely silent for you said what felt like 10 minutes on the phone yeah it's the most awkward thing in the world but that was something that we used to always harp on was that you got to drop the clothes and then you got to be quiet because you're done talking at that point. You'll talk yourself out of the sale. If you would have kept talking, if you would have said, you know, I don't come back twice. And then you, you know, would have kept rambling on about something else. You wouldn't have got that deal done. I guarantee that. Um, and I no, think that I think thousand yep. percent, hundred thousand percent. And you know what? To this day, I don't know how I did it. Cause I was sitting there biting my tongue saying <laughs> to myself, I want to say something. And my instincts just told me, just write mm-hmm. this one out and we'll get it. And I got it, right? And, you know, hot potato. That's what I'll say. Dude, so I, so um, my wife was actually, we met at, at this job that I'm referring to. And this has been, I mean, this has been 10 years ago almost. And uh, she, she was one of the producers on my team. And I remember we were in this particular business and this, this came up like, she dropped the clothes before like that day we, we were talking about, all right, you cannot talk after you drop the clothes. And I swear it was, it was like an actual two minutes where we were just sitting there at the desk after the clothes had been dropped. And just, I was just like looking at the dude. And then I would like, I pulled out my phone, kind of looked at my phone, did not say shit. And it was so insanely awkward. But then after those few minutes passed, he, he goes, okay, so do I just pay with credit card? Or the guy was sitting there processing and thinking and, and, and figuring out what the next steps were. And, and if you interrupt that thought process, you've talked yourself out of the sale. Well, and you know what? That was one of the hardest. When I was transitioning to only sell over the phone, you can't see somebody, right? Yeah, so early on, it was like, man, did this phone disconnect? Is this guy <laughs> right. still here? Hello. <laughs> but you, you, then you realize like, hey, some people just need the time to think through whatever your argument is, mm-hmm. right? And that is like, um, you know, whatever, if you want to call it a secret sauce or the magic ingredient or whatever. A lot of people miss it because it's so subtle 
but it's like a lost art. It really is just to sit there and say nothing. Yep. We've talked about a bunch, man. What have we, what have we missed so far? You know what? Um, people are coming out of COVID now. Um, it's a new landscape for, I'm sure, the, uh, the sales uh, industry as a whole, but insurance, when you look at it, not a lot of people are coming back to the office. A lot of commercial buildings, where I live at least, are for sale. And so, um, you know, I would say to people, if you are struggling to transition, which a lot of people are, you know, this hybrid workforce, I think, you know, trying something new that you've never tried before in terms of selling, a new sales tactic, always jump on a podcast like this one, right? Learn as much as you can. This is the perfect time to be doing it when the marketplace is changing. How do you feel about cold calling, man? Is it dead? Never. Never, 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 never. I mean, we're, we're of the mindset cold calling is where it's at, right? Whether it be over the phone or in person, as opposed to, you know, trying to... Look, I'm, I'm a big fan of digital inbound traffic, but I also understand you can't control who responds to that. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's not any better way for you to get in front of your targeted type of business as a prospect than focused, you know, telemarketing and in-person marketing drops, period. That's how I feel. Well, and the other thing I tell people all the time too is if I was going broke, I certainly wouldn't depend on digital marketing to bring me my next meal right? I would go out and find it and I would call until somebody said, hey, I want to see you. This is interesting, right? Um, I don't think that cold calling is dead. When COVID was going on at its height and all of these offices were shutting down, I was still making my 20 phone calls first thing in the morning simply because I know that there's less noise that I have to compete with right now. And to my advantage, like, you know, we closed a lot of business during COVID when a lot of people were just sitting around trying to figure out what to do. So is it dead? Not by a long shot. No, I don't think so either. You know, look, well, I work referrals. Well, great. How did you get the referral relationship? You had to cold call somebody for that. Like it was, you you didn't know them. Referrals are great, but the only thing that you're going to have absolute control over is, is cold calling and going out and hunting that business down yourself. I mean, like, that will never change. I mean, I don't, you would have thought that it would have changed with the pandemic where everybody was working from home and, you know, I think they're more open to it now. I think people want you to come see them. I I think that initially though, people, you know, may have had that mindset where like, okay, this is going to kill X, Y, and Z. And it hasn't, man. Cold calling is the cockroach of sales. You know, and it's funny because every new, I don't know if you guys see this in your industry, but at least in mine, every quarter, it seems like somebody's coming out with a software that the tagline is to eliminate cold calling. And I've yet to see it done. This is not a McDonald's kiosk. You can't just walk up to the thing and punch in your order. You know what software we have? We have have software to enhance cold calling. That's what we have. To make our cold calling easier and a better experience. That's why we use HubSpot in the agency. We can control our telemarketing from it. We can control our marketing drops and set automations around that based on, you know, when somebody goes and visits a prospect. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer, but, you know, it's funny. People are so worried about replacing it. I'd rather just make it more effective and enhance the the process 
by by making those same level of investments. So listen, man, you're working with middle-sized companies to help their sales force. We haven't talked about that at all. And before we run out of time, I -hmm. do want you to talk a little bit about what you're doing in your company and how people can find you and learn more about that. Because that's ultimately why you want to come on the podcast and be a guest is to have everybody hear what you're doing. So this is your shot, man. Seamless plug. Let's make it happen. Yeah, appreciate it. So what we're doing right now is we're working with sales teams in insurance, tech, transportation, marketing, just to name a few. Telephony, of course, is my background, as you guys know. Um, General pain points that we're seeing is not enough top of the funnel work, not enough prospecting. Deals are getting stuck and not closing, not crossing that finish line, or simply the behaviors that are attached to the mindset that you need to have as a successful salesperson. So we go in, we develop programs that these people can follow. The same process that I followed when I started out my career and did really well over the phone is now what we're giving to um, our customers, and they're really doing well. Um, Catch me at jeremychensales.com. Send me an email at jeremy at jeremychensales.com or find me on LinkedIn, Jeremy Chen. Uh, The name doesn't fit the description, but I trust you know it's me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's what we're doing. Cool deal. Well, listen, I really appreciate uh, you taking Mm -hmm. some time to come on, man. This has just been a really cool, low-key chat about all things sales in cold calling for the last almost hour, man. And it felt like it was like 10 minutes. So definitely would love to have you come back sometime and give us an update on what's going on. But people reach out to him, jeremychensales.com. I mean, if you don't like the brash, you know, loud, aggressive salespeople like Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and you'd like the more softer spoken, even keel, person to come in and reassure you that mentally you are ready to do this because you have the skill set, then you need to, you need to reach out to Jeremy, man. I like this guy. I feel like he could be a good influence on a lot of agencies and a lot of organizations out there. So really appreciate having you on, man. Really appreciate the time. And uh, thanks for the plug. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody else. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. Killing Commercial.